0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day. All bills all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo.
1: All right, big game Sunday night. Bills, Bengals, we talked a lot about leading into the trade deadline. The Bills have actually made another move. Here we go again. It's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovee. Matt's in his car at (coughs) practice right now doing this. I had an on-location radio show on WGR, so I couldn't get to practice.
2: Matt, you're going to be my eyes and ears today while we do this as well. Yes, I'm happy to do that. I can tell you that the question a lot of you probably have is Josh Allen was out at practice today during the portion of practice that we are allowed to watch. He was throwing the ball. Everything looked normal. He had his normal checkup with trainers before the stretching portion, just getting worked on, <coughs> excuse me, getting his shoulder looked at. So all, all is normal once again at One Bill's Drive.
1: The other question I think most fans have is, how big exactly is Linval Joseph?
2: <coughs> Massive, sorry. I'm just out in the cold. I'm thinking I'm dealing with the same thing that, like, everybody's dealing with. He's huge. And it's funny you mention that because our colleague over at Spectrum, John Scott, was standing there getting shots of him, as was I. And Ed Oliver walked over and said something to John of the effect of, like, have you ever seen somebody that big before? And he is noticeable. But it's funny because for as big as he is, he doesn't, like, tower over anybody. He's, like, a little bit bigger than Jordan Phillips. And Jordan Phillips is a pretty big guy. So, you know, he is going to be here to be a run stuffer, to eat some double teams, and to open up some space for those other guys and hopefully just kind of shore up their defensive line.
1: So on Wednesday, we got a chance to speak with Brandon Bean after the trade deadline. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Sean McDermott. And then he talked about, you know, Josh Allen and Russell Douglas as well. And we get into Thursday and being, uh, I'm sorry correct me if I'm wrong but McDermott basically said that you know no no indication no nothing worry about for Sunday that you know Josh is gonna play on Sunday correct
2: he didn't really say anything specific once again but the fact that he's practicing they were like you know yeah. if Josh is out there Josh is g- gonna be good to go so the fact that he's practicing today they didn't say this on Wednesday but I almost wonder if this becomes a routine I almost wonder if this mm-hmm. becomes like a I don't want to say load management. That might not be the right way of using it. But I wonder if he gets like a vet rest day once a week or something just to kind of limit the reps that he's, you know, putting on his shoulder and make sure that he is as fresh as possible for Sundays.
1: Yeah, maybe even up in at least until the bye week, which is late this year. That's going to come the uh, first out of December. But the point is, as far as talking with Bean and McDermott, we heard from Brandon Bean after the trade deadline. Then I had a chance to talk with him on, our, on my radio show, uh, myself and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550, which was really great to do after the signing of Linval Joseph. So let's kind of get into what these guys said about all of these additions. Let's start with Joseph because you're talking about how massive he is. Bean told us on WGR – He is a one technique. He's going to play nose guard, basically. And that's really what they've kind of been lacking ever since Daquan Jones went out, Matt. Like, I think Ed Oliver is best when he has a guy like this next to him. And Ed Oliver's still been good without Daquan Jones, but he's even better when he had Daquan Jones. He's even better when he had Von Miller next to him. He'll be even better with Linval Joseph. This is what they needed. They really were kind of having to play Jordan Phillips at that spot. Puna mm-hmm. Ford isn't quite the same player. He's squatty, and he's going to kind of sit there and take up a couple blockers. But this is a really big addition to an offensive line group with, with an, a big injury that they needed to make sure that everyone could kind of fall back
2: into place in their normal roles. Quite literally a big addition. Yeah, I do not think right. that he is the replacement for Daquan Jones. It's unrealistic to think that he can come in and actually live up to that bar that Daquan Jones has set because he was so dominant when he played to start the season and for most of last season. But I think it's going to be a lot closer to that than we have seen since Daquan Jones was injured. They'll still use a rotation. They're still going to get these guys on and off the field. Ed Oliver is still going to be their most snapped defensive tackle. I think the week before he missed the game, he had like 86% of the snaps or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I, I think there's still going to be a rotation, but I think Joseph is going to slide in nicely to really just kind of let Ed go do what he is best at, and that is just disrupt the quarterback, create interior pressure, and then on the downs when you know their team's going to run, he's probably going to be one of the guys out there because that's something that he does well, is just kind of you know suffocate an offensive line and just free up a lane for either somebody to make a tackle or to try and get in the way himself.
1: And neither Sean McDermott nor Brandon Bean ruled him out for Sunday he could play Sunday along with Rasul Douglas that's still a work in progress I think they might I mean you have two guys here on the active 53 there's not practice squad signings like Leonard Fournette yeah these are two guys on the active 53 if you don't play them you'll have to elevate somebody so it would be roster spots you're not using it can happen but I wouldn't be surprised if either of these guys play on
2: Sunday this is a question take specialists out of it is defensive tackle the easiest position to get acclimated, maybe defensive end, running back. I mean, I think that those are probably the ones in question, right? For like what they are using Joseph for, it should not take very long to get acclimated. Now I can say during the portion of practice that we were watching, he watched most of the drills and then would rotate in for a rep or two. And then he would go back Mm -hmm. out and he would watch the drills. So I don't think that it's going to be like, if he's active, which I think there's a chance that he is, He'll get some snaps. I don't think he'll play a ton. But I would imagine that he could probably get caught up to speed faster than Douglas could just because yeah. of the positions that they play. That being said, you know they traded a third-round pick for Douglas, and he played literally last week for the Packers. So he is in shape. He's ready to go. It's all just kind of figuring out if he can get the scheme down.
1: To answer the question you asked, I agree with you. It's defensive line. I would say defensive end is probably, if you get a true pass rushing defensive end,
2: you can basically say,
1: go after the quarterback. That's what you do. Just go after the quarterback. Defensive tackle, a little more nuance, where they line up, where they shade. You can definitely have some run fits there, but you can do the same thing. You could also make it easier when that player's on the field. Go, look, we're going with our base defense. Just line up there, go wreak havoc. You could do things like that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him. As far as Douglas is concerned, that also came. Well, Joseph's move came with putting Kyer Elam on injured reserve. So Matt, when you think mm-hmm. about it, here are your choices for Sunday. You're gonna have Benford and Jackson. It's either going to be Douglas who's on the active roster or you're gonna elevate Josh Norman or Jamarcus Ingram. You can't go into the game with two boundary corners. You're only the, no. th- you, you may have to choose two out of those three because you might want to have four guys in that situation against this particular team. I think
2: he's gonna be active. I really yeah. do. I just don't know how much he's going to play. I think he is going to be active and come I don't like probably not come off the bench but probably just do some stuff that they feel like he's ready to do and that they're comfortable with him maybe they'll find some unique things that they can try and do with him and like dime packages or something like that but I, I think he's going to be active because you just made a trade for this guy I just think yep. that if you were picking between the people that you said to me, it would ama- I would imagine it's Josh Norman and Rasul Douglas. That, that's what I would just assume that happens now that Elam is on injured reserve. But I don't know. Maybe they just take the guys that have been in the building a little bit longer. They go with Ingram and they go with Josh Norman.
1: From Sean McDermott's press conference, Brandon Bean's press conference, talking about how all this came together, bringing these guys in. We know that they moved some money around recently for Deion Dawkins. Apparently, it is, according to Mike Garofolo a one-year deal worth $3.67 million for um, for Limbaugh Joseph. That, that's not cheap. So I think no. the overall point for me here is, Matt, Brandon Bean is not sitting on his hands. Now, granted, no. he's not getting all pros off the street. We know that. They are just falling off trees everywhere. You can't do that. Uh-huh. But let's take a look at a couple of things. Number one, two teams, two, in the entire AFC actually acquired a player at the trade, di- trade deadline. The Bills and the Jags, that's it. Chiefs didn't do it. Dolphins didn't do it. Ravens didn't do it. No one did it. On top of that, The Bills bring in Leonard Fournette to help stabilize the running back position. They bring in Linval Joseph to help stabilize the defensive tackle position. You can think, okay, these guys are older. What do they really do? I think the bigger picture is Brandon Bean is not sitting on his hands. He's not using injuries as an excuse. He's still trying to go all in and believes his team can win the AFC.
2: Yeah, you can look at it two ways. I guess it's all perspective. One, I'm glad that he did not sit on his hands. I think they needed to make some moves to kind of get this roster a little bit closer to what they were before the injuries. But two, he also probably felt like they needed to make moves. And he's trying Mm -hmm. to salvage what roster they had. I think you can make the argument before the London game. Actually, no, before the Dolphins game. That was the game that Tredavious White got hurt. Before that game, that's the best roster this team has had maybe in their tenure. They were so talented on both sides of the ball. Defensively, they were just cooking on every single level. And you're like, man, these guys could really do something special with this pass rush, Matt Milano, and then this this depth they have in the secondary. And then that all kind of went away with the injuries to Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, Tredavious White, one at every level. So, yeah, I think it's good that they made the moves. I think they needed to make the moves. And I also think he realizes that they needed to make the moves because if this team is going to accomplish what they are trying to accomplish – I don't think they had enough pieces as it was Monday morning. I think that they needed to go get a corner. I think that they needed to improve their defensive line. I think there's something to be said that they didn't do anything at linebacker. I thought that would be something they would do. And then obviously on the last episode of the podcast, I talked about Fornetta. I think he is going to play, and I think he's going to be a difference maker. I think that's one of those other positions where – I don't want to say you could just like walk in the door and immediately play, but I think it's a lot easier to get up to speed there than it is at some of the other spots.
1: I would caution, though, it didn't happen with Naeem Hines last year.
2: No, it did not. It did not, but it's a different skill set, right? Like you're bringing in Leonard Fournette because you need a power back and you still want to incorporate him in the passing game. But I think an obvious passing downs, it's still going to be James Cook. They needed to try and. Oh, get wait.
1: Him. Are, we, are we sure about that? This is a guy that had 73
2: catches last year. He had a hundred targets a few years ago. I know, but if he's coming in to do both exclusively, then what is James Cook going to do? I
1: agree with that. I agree <laughs> with, I don't want him to take a lot of stuff from, from James Cook, but no, I, I think I think Leonard Fournette will play enough, a lot on third down he, quite a bit. He's a really good pass blocking back and he's a good pass mm-hmm. catcher. I think he fills that role where you don't have to rely just on James Cook. Yes, I think that's the rub where if you do it, You take James Cook off the field. No one really wants to see that. But I don't think this guy is just coming in here to be a goal linebacker.
2: Here's what I'll say. I think Leonard Fournette allows the offense to be more unpredictable because I think when he comes onto the field, I think defenses aren't going to exactly know what to expect because he can be a power back. He can catch the ball, and he is better in pass protection, obviously, than James Cook is. So maybe it keeps a defense on their toes a little bit more. So, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to get acclimated. But, like, if you're talking about a split, I still think James Cook is getting more touches than Leonard. Fournette.
1: I, I think you're looking more like it was when Damien Harris was there. James Cook gets the majority and then
2: 65, 35.
1: And then Cook, Harris and Latavius Murray. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Well,
1: he'll still be involved as well. All right, let's talk about this week's opponent. Big game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. Sal Capaccio, Matt Beauvais, it's always game day in Buffalo. Producer Mike Robbie doing a great job here. Matt's out at practice today. He watched not only Josh Allen return to practice, but the big story of the week, of course, nationally and here locally, Damar Hamlin returning to Cincinnati after what happened on January 2nd. And go check it out. I love it. Matt posted some video on his Twitter feed. You took some video. Damar actually saw you filming him. Tell everybody what happened.
2: Yeah, no, I was just getting a shot of him because obviously this is a big storyline. So I was getting a couple new shots of DeMar Hamlin. He missed practice on Wednesday with an illness. So this was his first practice of the week. And, you know, I'm getting a shot of him. I'm isolating him. He sees the camera pointed in his face and he kind of like points at me and then he holds up the three and then he does the heart symbol and then he, you know, flexes his muscles a little bit. So I appreciate the pose. It made for a good video. All that being said. I don't know if he's going to be active. I don't know if he's going to play. I I would actually assume that he probably, I don't think he will. Like, I just don't think that he, he has not been somebody who has been normally active. And then given everything else going on, I just do not see the benefit of being like, hey, go be active for your, I don't have the numbers in front of me because I'm in front of, I'm in the car, but I don't know, third game of the year, fourth game of the year, whatever it is. Like, I I just don't see that happening. So it's, it's obviously a very, It's obviously a very big story and it's a very inspiring story, but I think it's a little different of a story because he is probably not going to play.
1: Probably right. And I'll even, I'll let me touch on that part in a second, but Sean McDermott has even said several times. They're going to dress people because of football decisions, not because of Mm -hmm. non-football decisions and because of football decisions, he hasn't dressed this year other than when people have been hurt and they're not banged up in the secondary right now, other than Tredavious White still knock on wood, but they haven't needed to dress him. He's been inactive. So um, it's been Damar Hamlin. I'm sorry, it's been um Taylor Rapp, obviously back there. They do have Cam Lewis if they want. The other part of that is you're right about different kind of story. The other thing, Matt, is I do think as much as it's a huge story here locally, as we get closer to the game, I think it's more of a story nationally. This is an audience
2: Oh, absolutely that, hasn't, absolutely. No, that has not absolutely. seen or
1: heard about him since then predominantly. We have we've been with him every step of the way. Mm-hmm. We were in the off season when he was doing all the Washington stuff and going around and AEDs and CPR, which is great. And he's still doing that. And I give him a lot of credit. We were there when he went to off season workouts in April, when he went to OTAs and mini camp in May and June, when he put pads on for the first time, when he played the preseason game, when he played in the regular season game, this is not really new to us other than the fact that it is Cincinnati. Whereas the national audience, this is the story since then and kind Mm -hmm. of the newer
2: part of it for for them. Yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating conversation. I mean, most media outlets, news organizations, whatever it is, whatever you work for, have editorial meetings and you try and figure out what your stories of the day are going to be, what the things you want to plan for the week are going to be. And obviously at the beginning of this week, that's something that we had a conversation about of Like how big of a story is DeMar Hamlin? If he isn't going to play, and how do we cover it? And that's something that I think we've been navigating for the last couple of days. I think from a national audience, obviously, with everything that he went through, there's name recognition there. He's going back to that site where everything happened. And as horror as that is, I think locally, more people are thinking about the game and thinking about how do the Bills mm-hmm. go and get a win? And is Josh Allen okay? And is he going to play? And that does not mean they are, you know, st- I don't, I'm trying to use my words carefully here. That does not mean they are over the DeMar Hamlin story. It just means that no. because it has been going on for so long locally, there's been so many different chapters to it. I think this one is more about the game. And I think he would say that too. Uh, you know, I haven't talked to DeMar Hamlin this week, but I would imagine that if we did talk to him, he would say, like, stop talking about me. Like our team needs to go get a win this week because it's a really tough opponent. So yeah, it's a very big national story. I'm sure if you're watching the coverage nationally on Sunday night football, it's going to be very, very heavily featured. I just don't know if you're going to get that same level of coverage locally this week.
1: Yeah. And even Sean McDermott has basically said that, look, it's a, it's a balance of, you understand the gravity of it. You understand that there's going to be a lot Mm -hmm. of tentacles to this and the emotion of it, but they're also going there to win a football game. And when I talked to Brandon Bean on the radio show, I asked him what you know, what are you doing for the organization? What does the organization do for resources to make sure everybody kind of is in the proper headspace going there after everything that happened? And he said, Yes. When it comes to player engagement and mental health and all of that, they have people there. They can do one on one. They can do groups. So they're gonna have everything available to their team for that. All right, I want to focus on the Bengals. Did you watch the Bengals 49ers game?
2: Yeah. They
1: looked unbelievable. Okay,
2: they, they looked Well, they did on
1: offense. Too. They did on offense, I think, for the most part, and they really did. Would you be surprised to know the 49ers outgained them 460 to 400? 400. 49ers yeah. had almost 500 yards of offense in that game. The wow. 49ers outgained them, hold on, 8.2 yards a play, which is massive in the NFL compared to 6.5 for the Cincinnati Bengals. The difference does, in the game.
2: That Two things. Me.
1: Two things. Turnovers. Purdy threw some interceptions. And red yeah. zone. Bengals converted, 49ers did not. Look, I give all the respect for what Joe Burrow's been through and done, and he looked phenomenal. And that offense is tough, tough, tough to deal with. I'll also say they've been giving up some big plays, and even in that Niners game, as much as it was 31-17, the Niners rolled up close to 500 yards of
2: offense on them. That gives me more hope about what the Buffalo Mm -hmm. Bills might be able to do. Yeah, I think that's obviously something to talk about. I think there's a little bit of game script in there, too, because, you know, the Niners are trying to move yeah. the ball late. And I think at that point, Armistice. the Bengals are probably playing a little bit more conservative. Honestly, a similar story to what happened with the Bills and the Bucks in the last game. How if you look at the artages after the game, you're like, oh, wow, like the Bucks actually kind of did a lot. Baker Mayfield finished with this, but it was all kind of garbage time. That was not the case for the 49ers. It was a pretty competitive game until about halfway through the fourth quarter. And then that's when the Bengals kind of, uh, excuse me, that's when the Bengals kind of pulled away. And I think once again, got that two score lead back. I just offensively am so impressed with what they are able to do. And I think if this game was happening a couple weeks ago, or even in a couple weeks, then I would feel more confident about the bills chances. That's not to say that they can't win. I just think, These are games you'd really like to have Rasul Douglas up to speed and you'd like to have Joseph ready to go and Von Miller healthier, but you don't right now. And it feels like they were kind of lost for a little bit and now they've found their game. So I feel like they're trending in the right direction and you are getting very close to a version of the Bengals you thought you would be getting when the schedule came out, not week one, week two, week three, when they just looked helpless.
1: The Bengals' defense actually reminds me a lot of the Bills' defense when I look at the numbers, but then try to compare it with the eye test, which is the Bengals' defensive numbers are not good, Matt. They're not good. They are, mm-hmm. in the in the league, um, 27th in yards per game, 31st. 31st in yards per play given up. Only one team in the entire NFL is worse than the Bengals, and that's the Denver Broncos in yards per play given up. However, they buckle down in the red zone. They do a really good job there. Um, I'm going to try and see they're tied for 10th in the red zone and they've only given up 20 points a game, which is really nice. So it's, this is a team that will give you some, but then they're going to take the ball away from you. They do that very well. They're going to get after the passer. They pressure the passer very well, and they're going to make a play when they need to make a play. That's kind of what the MO of the bills defense has been now. Granted, not as much lately the last few weeks, right? They've had some injuries, but Lou and Amarulo is a really, really good defensive coordinator. And that's how they're going to try to, Against the Buffalo Bills, so I think the Bills here they just can't turn the ball over. If the Bills don't, which is a big ass sometimes with the Josh Allen offense with how the risks he can take, the Bills don't mm-hmm. turn the ball over here. I, I think they have a really,
2: really good shot. I think for me, this is a game that you need to because I don't think the Bengals are going to make a ton of mistakes. Like I don't think Joe Burrow right. is going to be the guy who's you know throwing interceptions all over the place. I think this needs to be a game where you control kind of the game script and you control the pace of play here and you are not trying to get into, you know what? This game makes me think of a little bit and it's a weird comparison, but remember when the bills played the chiefs last year and everybody thought it was going to be like a 38 to 35 game. And yep. it wasn't like those teams just kind of were like very methodical and they moved the ball, mm-hmm. but they held strong in the red zone. And there was a couple mistakes. I, I kind of feel like this game could be closer to that than to just the offensive slugfest that some people are expecting to see. So I, I think it's easy to say, and I'm not, this is like not a knock at you. I, I think it's easy to say like, yeah, game's going to come down to turnovers because a lot of them do. It is very relevant, but for the bills, it's going to also come down to when you get to the red zone, are you going to score t- touchdowns? You're going to score field goals. And also yep. what are you going to do for the Bengals? Like, are you going to make them have to kick field goals? And it's, it's going to be a close game. I mean, it's the first time since I believe the 13-second Chiefs game the Bills are underdogs. I believe this is the first time since right. then they are a very minor underdog. At last check, I think it was like three points, which says a lot because, you know, usually the home team gets the three points anyway. So it's as close to a pick as they get, and – so it's a really tough matchup for the Bills. It really is. Like, I think the, yeah. Bengals are playing, uh, the Bengals are playing awesome right now. This is probably, in my opinion, I've covered the team for several years now, during this era where they have been like legitimate Super Bowl contenders, as tough of a regular season game as they've had. But they are absolutely capable of winning these. They're that good of a team.
1: <laughs> well, look, the Bengals, one of the things they were not doing They were dead last in the league by a lot for explosive plays on offense. I think we now we can start to chalk that up to, and you probably should anyway, to Joe Burrow's injury. Because last game against the San Francisco 49ers, let me count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven plays of 20 yards or more. I think they had seven all year leading into that. Maybe nine, something like that, 20 yards or more. So they are getting a little bit more explosive. They do have a lot of great weapons on that side of the field. Last thing. Do we see what we saw last week with Jordan Poyer playing more of a hybrid role because of the way they can throw the football? Now, this team can run as well with Joe Mixon, but do we see a little bit more of that again this week because of all of those weapons they have to defend passing the football?
2: Yeah, I think you live with Joe Mixon getting carries and maybe averaging five or six yards a carry as opposed to four yards a carry. I think you're trying to uh, eliminate the really big explosive plays. As you can see, Matt Perino's walking behind me right now if he's uh if that was on frame. But yeah, I, I think you keep doing what that is. And I actually do have to go because they are going into yep. the field house and I gotta go talk to some players.
1: You got it. All right. Uh stay tuned with Matt, Matt underscore Bove on Twitter. I'm at Sal Sports. Matt's at WKBW TV channel seven, WGR Sports Radio five fifty. Matt, have a good rest of your day. Thanks for being my eyes and ears today on the pod.
2: No, thanks. Thanks. I don't I don't know why I was gonna say thanks for having me. That's maybe it's like Oh, you're like an interview here. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Thanks Don't for having me, pal. I got you. Pay. I'm glad we got to fit this in. Thanks, Al.
1: Thanks to Mike Robbie as well.